Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey everyone, Ashlyn here with an exciting announcement. It's time for another Chalice Charity event by our good friends at Card Kingdom. And this year, I'll be repping and competing for the Command Zone podcast. Yay! <laughs> the Chalice is a three-week fundraising campaign that ends in a day-long MTG tournament for the benefit of Serious Fun Children's Network and their efforts to provide children living with serious illnesses with a spectacular camp experience and high-quality medical care all in the safest and most supportive environment. Donations you help me raise will unlock special power-ups that give me an extra edge during the tournament. Plus, I have some really fun milestones that you will not regret helping me hit. I mean, who doesn't want to see Jimmy get hit in the face with a pie or Josh dance? So if you want to help, find the link in the show notes below, and together we can help support a great cause. All right, enjoy the podcast. Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Question time! Open all the emails and let you out into the world. Question time! Every real good answer comes from some other unanswered friend. We're now we're into writing bad lyrics. Yeah, it's yeah. Just we're good. coming up with our own songs now great. here on the Command Zone podcast that you are watching slash listening to right now. I'm your host Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. You do not want to know how long we took doing that. Just yeah, now. look at the notes, the extensive <laughs> notes on the paper to, to figure that one out. Um, yeah, we have got a bunch of questions from you all today, and uh, we think it'd be a really good opportunity to talk about some stuff that we don't really get a, a many chances to share in the public. We talk to our Discord and our Patreon a lot about these Twitter. questions and Twitter. Yeah, but we wanted to have more. Sort solid place to answer a question and clear the air about some stuff as well as address some questions that we get from you our audience in our inboxes yeah it's kind of going to be a combination of two sections right one will be a little bit of a peek behind the curtain uh uh a look into our process the how and why of how how and why we make decisions <laughs> and um of course we're going to still answer a bunch of questions you've asked us uh, over the months because it's been a little while since we've done one of these about magic related stuff so yep. before we get into all that make sure that you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone as always when you use our affiliate link you are not only getting the magic cards that you're going to buy anyway you're simultaneously supporting game nights Command Zone podcast, Extra Turns, which we will be talking about a little bit in this episode. Indeed. All of our content. We really do appreciate everyone that does that. And of course, Ultra Pro, another one of the sponsors of this show. You can pick up Ultra Pro product from pretty much anywhere online at cardking.com slash command zone at your local retailer or at big box retailers as well. They do playmats, sleeves, deck boxes, all of the good stuff. The accoutrement, as we like to say, that deck out. Ooh. That, your, deck out. <laughs> that deck out your battlefield so you can look very cool and, of course, coordinated the next time you play Magic. Yeah, one of the things that Jimmy and I have been talking about because we got recently from Ultra Pro a bunch of these are the Satin Towers. Yeah, I love Which them. I have a lot of my decks in, and we have a lot of those to give away as well. And, you know, they are really, really great. If you've ever held a Satin Tower... Your deck is really safe in those things. They're, yeah, I've been using solid. them for like five years now, yeah. I feel like. I've been, yeah, from the beginning, that was like the first product I ever bought. Very awesome. And the final way to support all of our content is directly. If you go to patreon.com slash command zone, you get to, well, one thing, ask us questions on our Discord, which we usually answer directly, but we're going to answer a couple on the show today. Mm-hmm. But 
those people have already got their answers from us probably months ago because yeah. we answer within the day most of the time. You get to talk to us a lot if you're at that tier level. Uh, so patreon.com slash command zone is where you join our Patreon. And we call out one lucky patron every single episode. This episode is dedicated to Jaron Hogan. Jaron, you rock. You do rock. All right, so let's get to the questions here. We get a lot of correspondence from all of you out there. It's awesome. We get so much, though, that unfortunately weren't only able to directly answer a small percentage of it, but mm -hmm. we do read it all. Yes. Um, so episodes like these really give us a chance to answer the questions we get asked a lot. Because answering the same question over and over, I think no matter who you are, it gets a little bit arduous after a while. So this is a, a chance for us to, you know, answer 30, 50 people that maybe have asked the same question. In different ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also there are, we do get asked occasionally some specific questions that we think are particularly interesting. And that's, this gives us the ability to tackle those as well. Yep. And we're going to paraphrase some of these for brevity and just sort of try to paint a wider brush across some of the more commonly asked questions. And then we're going to have magic and commander related questions in the second half of the episode. But I think a lot of you will be interested to hear about the first part of this episode. I'm sure you'll discuss it a lot in the comments here on Reddit and wherever else y'all talk on the internet. Yeah, it's the content related questions. We're going to yes. start with those. So this is as it relates to to our content, questions we get about the stuff we make. So the first one is, let's just start with the biggest one. The biggest one, The yep. biggest one lately, because Game Nights just came out last week when you're watching this. For us, it came out yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, so there's been a lot, of, as there always are, every time we do an episode, this one was the Brawl Precons from Throne of Eldraine. Um, every time we do a non-Commander episode, we expect a certain amount of... Hullabaloo. Hullabaloo, and, there, and you did not disappoint. Um, <laughs> So the questions that we're getting a lot is, why did you guys play pre-cons? Why, why did you, you play, play Brawl? Brawl? Yeah, those are sort of the two biggest ones. Um, and this is something we answer a lot on Twitter and Discord and things, but we've, we realize, oh, we've just never answered that to the wide audience of our podcast. Yeah, and no character limits here. Um, let's talk about this episode specifically. So we had Melissa Dettora on, one of our favorite guests to have on the show. She is the person that made the decks. She designed most of the cards in there as well. She says so in the episode. Um, and for her, this is for us too. It's an amazing case for us to showcase off something that she's been able to work on for a long time. And specifically, she is designing it with commander players in mind. Yeah, Melissa's a friend of ours, you know, outside of the fact that she's in our content sometimes. We've known her for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so having a friend of yours do something that's really, really cool, I think a lot of people out there would understand the fact that, like, you want to showcase that thing. We got to play the decks. They're really, really fun. This is a thing that we were excited to show off. Hey, our friend of ours did this. It's really cool. We, th we know it relates to a lot of our audience. It's not specifically Commander, but a lot of the cards she made with Commander in mind, you can't deny the fact that Brawl is very similar to Commander while not the exact same thing. So yeah. it's, it's, you know, there's a big crossover audience there. So it's not a big step for us to be like, a lot of people in our audience will enjoy this and a lot and a lot do. And a lot don't as well, yeah. of course. And we totally understand that. Obviously, a lot of people say you're the Command Zone channel. You only should do Commander content. That's what I'm here for. Uh, we hear this one quite often. Um, and I think another thing to point out is that we on Game Nights have always been focused on more or less multiplayer or formats that involve multiple people. And it's not been, if you look at it's not called Commander Nights, it's not called Brawl Nights either, and it's not called Arch Enemy Nights, it's just called Game Nights. Um, and I think there's another big point to be made here about the other guest in the episode, which is Reed. And this is something that you've been dealing with, with actually for over a year now. Yeah, so Reed is a person we've wanted to get on the show. We're big fans of Reed. I never met him, but we've been corresponding over email for a long time. He was aware of Game Nights, had watched it, wanted to be on. But as you can imagine, somebody of Reed's stature, who's also competing in tournaments all the time, doesn't have a... Coverage. Yeah, it doesn't have a ton of free time. So getting the schedule to match up has been a thing we've been working on. And that's compounded. Uh, the, the problem of that or the issues with that are compounded by the fact that Reed's not a commander player. Yeah. Right? He's He plays modern, he plays standard, he plays limited. He, he concentrates on those formats because he needs to, because that's his job and that's where you know, that's where it pays off for him in like winning the tournaments and, and doing well. And so yeah. him playing commander is not a thing that he does. So I think people are often saying things like, you had a professional player on or players of that caliber. They did, they said this when we had Ben Stark and Brian Kibler on mm -hmm. the show as well. And, and that's a wasted opportunity because you could have had them play commander. But I think there's uh, some misconceptions there. The pro players, you can't ask them to come on a show build a deck, brew a deck for a format they don't know, haven't played, aren't aware of what the meta or anything is, and they're going to be playing that deck in front of a million people 
what are the chances that that's a successful outcome for them, that they look really good at the end of that, right? They, they don't know commander cards and commander decks and how that works. And so... And the politicking as well is something they're not necessarily used to. Right. And literally, whenever we do bring these players that don't play commander on the show, they will tell us, this is my first time playing something like this competitively or, you know, in a format where I have to make a deal with someone else. So it's they're very new to the politicking aspect as well. Never mind, you're already having trouble saying like, hey, can we find three days that line up with three days we could use to get enough lead time to make the episode? Now I'm saying like, you also, I need you to spend a bunch of time on the internet researching and figuring out and building a deck yeah if you've ever played commander with pros at like an event or something they don't know the same cards that we know because they don't play our format so they're constantly like aura shards what is that like that's- or they're just not paying attention to for instance when releases come out every year they don't need to look at the commander cards right. unless the- they're like legacy players but even then they're only looking at two three cards at most yeah so a lot of the cards that we are very familiar with and they are are not the cards they use. And the cards they use are not always the cards we use, right? Standard, playable, really powerhouse cards. We don't even know what that card does because it never comes up in Commander. Yeah. So it's also like harder for them when they're sitting down dealing with more players and a bunch of cards that they're... The board states in Commander get way more confusing than they're used to. And so there's all these hurdles. And one of the things that makes it easier to book guests like Reed, like Kibler, like Ben Stark, like Day 9 frankly, very busy people, people that like magic, but don't play commander a ton. One of the things that makes it Ashley easier to same thing. Yep. One of the things that makes it easier for to book them as guests is to not ask them to build a deck for a format that they're not familiar with. And so saying like, hey, we're going to play Brawl, which is standard cards. You're very familiar with standard. It's not like all 20,000 cards in the history of magic and they're pre-made decks. So you don't have to worry one about building your deck and two, you don't actually have to know all the cards in the format, just generally what these three other decks are trying to do. Yeah, and I think another thing that people don't realize, and I'm sure a lot of you out there is like, why don't you build the decks for them? Why don't you give them some time to practice? No, the, the thing is that we, and you can watch the behind the scenes episode on this as well, we only have time for pretty much one game to be played when we bring these people into film. We're flying them from out of state, we are putting them up in hotels, and we are lodging, food, travel, all that stuff it has to be covered by us. So any extra day really does cut into both the ability for us to do the show realistically, um, and also like, if that one game doesn't turn out well, it's sort of all we have. And the chances of that happening, we have to mitigate against that risk every single time. And you've seen we've had some games, let's be honest, on the show that were a little bit more duds. And that's just the way it goes. Uh, yeah. And, and I, so I won we, one of those because I just took a bunch of extra turns and then people were upset about that. So, like, you know, there, it's very hard to find that exact precise balance that a lot of the more vocal watchers of the show want, which is like this exact mix of a perfect commander game with perfect guests doing perfect things. I think people don't realize, like, the normal game night's day is a 12 or 14 hour day. And there's not a lot of leeway for anything, definitely not to shoot another game. If we needed to shoot a second game, we have to go and shoot on the next day. And when you think about that, that's another day of lodging for everybody. That's another day of paying all your crew, your cast, all for all of your equipment that you're renting. It's a, a big expense. So there's really not the chance, unfortunately, Game Night's budget is just not big enough to do another shooting day. So yeah. like Jimmy said, we're just trying to up our, or have a, the best percentage chance of a good game. And that doesn't even guarantee a great game every time. It just gives us a better chance at it, which is what we need. Yeah, uh, I've been working in the film industry for nine years. Josh has been in it for 14, 15 Almost or so. 20. Uh, and I, I think something that a lot of people don't understand generally is what it actually costs to produce something. Um, now, when we first started this show, when we had z- literally zero dollars and no patrons, no support, we, it was just in my apartment. And just buying the cameras to get the show going for the first time was about $12,000, just out of my own pocket. And I have not ever asked for that money back because it's an investment, I own the camera, so I don't need to have someone pay back for them. But that's just one part of like the many, many different parts about this show that I think a lot of people, it's very hard to understand. Like, here is the dollar amount and this is why it costs that much. A lot of people will be like, why can't she just hand it off to an editor to do this? Why can't she do X, Y, and Z? And it's very, very easy from someone that isn't in the industry to look at something and say, this should be easy to do X, Y, and Z. But there are a lot of factors I think people don't take into account. Like Josh said, we have a sound person, a camera person, a judge, and also like a behind the scenes person. And we have graphics editors. We have full-time editors here working day and night to really finish these episodes on time. And every single minute that you're spending that's not 
you know, being productive. You're, it, it is akin to taking dollar bills and lighting them on fire. And we also have insurance and we have lots and lots of other parts of it that I think people don't see the unknown cost. So when it comes down to playing the game and making sure that that episode is as good as it could be and giving us the best percentage chance on the dice roll of it being a good game, we have to mitigate for things like, one, we don't want to ask someone like Reed to build a commander deck, go to the table and get smoked. Yeah, or you... Everyone out there will get really mad if he just EDH wrecks the most powerful combo deck and smokes everybody else on turn four as well, which is another thing that, like, he's a pro. He's probably going to build a really strong deck. He doesn't, you know, the social contract doesn't matter as much to the pros. And so there's downsides of him brewing his own deck, too. How do you teach somebody who's never played Commander the nuances on their first playthrough of building an exactly a (laughs) 7.5 deck on the power scale? It's just way easier and better for us to use the opportunities when we're not playing commander which we only do a couple times a year maybe two or three episodes a year that's our chance to bring in those people and that's one of the reasons we like to do those types of episodes the brawl episodes the pre-con episodes also there's a bunch of other factors one thing i wanted to bring up is brawl decks were on arena recently Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people out there who got to play those decks in a 1v1 format who don't normally watch our content or watch commander content and they might be drawn to watch this episode of game nights because that's something they know they've dipped their toe in the water and what better thing could we be doing for the commander format than recruiting a whole bunch of new players and what's a great way to get people interested in commander oh they watch this this game nights episode and they go wow game nights is pretty cool i'm gonna watch some of their other episodes wow commander seems really fun i'm gonna try commander we hear from people all the time when we go to events that like i was a modern player but i watched game nights and it looked fun and now i'm a commander player yeah and i think i was browsing through comments on reddit i tend to try and read all the comments dangerous. in amalgamation yeah it's always dangerous but you know i've been internet content <laughs> and i guess comment veteran for many years now i try to get an amalgamation of what the general opinion and consensus is and and certain platforms would be more vocal and negative than positive usually like youtube is if it's negative it'll skew very negative and the positive comments sort of get buried in it on Reddit, there's a couple of posts that I thought were really interesting, which is basically people saying what Josh has said, which is like, I never played Commander. My girlfriend never played Commander. My son never played Commander. Whoever it is, I showed them the Game Night episode with uh, Ben Stark and all those guys playing those like very simple, but you know, built to be played against each other's decks. And they were able to really enjoy it because they could watch it the whole way through and that got them interested into Magic in the first place. We understand that we are called the Command Zone Podcast, and it's the Command Zone Podcast, but Game Nights is something that we've always wanted to be a vehicle for bringing new players into the game. What I wanted to say was, I get it a little more. I understand the people that are upset, right? It feels like maybe you you clicked over to a basketball game, and what they're actually playing is hockey, and I understand that that's frustrating for a lot of people out there. Um, but there are... I. I the only thing that makes me upset or, or annoys me is when it's accusatory towards us. I get it. If it's like, listen, I didn't want to watch Brawl because I don't play Brawl and I like Commander. But then they start accusing us of crazy things, which is like, you're only doing this because Wizard wants you to, you're only, it's a big commercial for whatever. And we're making decisions for a lot of reasons. And those reasons mostly have to do with what's best for our channel, what we think the audience is going to enjoy. How can we, a lot of the decisions are honestly made, like what's best for the commander as a format. And I think us being open-armed towards other formats and welcoming to people that are coming from other aspects of Magic is really good for the Commander format. I mean, it's become the biggest format in the last two or three years, and I think we've been a part of that. Maybe not the biggest part. We obviously chose Commander because we love it, and that is probably going to translate to other people, but I think we've helped show people why Commander is great. And if all we did ever was play Commander and talk about only Commander, I don't think we would have opened as many doors as if we sometimes peek out. We play Limited, too. And if you like Limited, you're kind of like us. And if you're like us, you might like Commander. Yeah, this podcast started because we listened to Limited Resources yeah. and went, why doesn't this exist for Commander? Yeah. so That was our bridge in. So that's all I would I would ask for people out there. It's like, I get it. I, I totally understand. Like, if I want to watch basketball and they're playing hockey, I'm probably not super excited It's more about like it. they want to watch, like, basketball, but then they tune in, it's like an NCAA game. It, yeah, They, they okay, feel sure. like it's, like, less or power level. it's a level. high school game. It's a high school or, game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or they're playing three on three. Okay, yeah. sure. But uh, we get it. We hear you. I totally understand. understand. I totally understand. Just, you know, be nice to us. We're not we're honestly not making decisions for any other reason than what we think is best for our content, what we think is going to be the most entertaining, and what's going to be best for commanders of format. I think it's kind of skewed in people's heads, which is just like, you see one piece of content that you don't like out of the 10 that's released that year, and you're going to, unfortunately, 
take that one and make it feel like it's half the content or make it feel like they, they've done this X so many times in a row, I can't believe it. And actually this is something I want to go and do some statistics on. We can't do the do, 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 do stats here. Do, 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 stats. We can do me? it. We can do it whenever we want. Yeah, it's true. our show, Jimmy. <laughs> it's our show. <laughs> one thing that I saw a lot of comments about and people love making a joke about is like, Jimmy always gets mana screwed. And I've been on 26, 27 episodes of Game Nights and I can tell you, I don't get mana screwed really like twice maybe right i think three or four times and a couple of times it was like a specific scenario but like out of the 27 that's a very low percentage and so it got me thinking why do people see this one thing and conflate it and think it's the the majority of the time is because we do have often a skewed view of how things work because it's hard for us to see it holistically and as a whole so let's go back in time to 2017 we released 12 episodes of Game Nights that year. That we did the- 12 episodes? Yeah, it we was a heavy episode. a single episode. month off? It was a very busy, busy year for us. Uh, but at the same time, the average episode length was 43 minutes. Oh, uh, so they were shorter, so it was a little easier to do. Yeah, uh, 2018 episode length was 55 minutes on average, and this year it's 65 minutes on average, and we still have a few episodes to go. Not to mention it's gotten super, like, exponentially more complicated as far as, like, the animations and right. stuff. Right, you go back and you look at those episodes, and I remember, I think in the very first one, we were using, like, a low res image of some cards that pop even up have on screen. Hard, yeah. We're doing handheld shots. It's in my apartment. It's very, very low budget compared to what we're doing I mean, now. The first 11 episodes I did 100% myself. We now right. have five editors and an assistant and a dedicated graphics person. So Yeah, uh, it's obviously exponential. And I think a lot of you in the comments have noticed that yeah. too, that you guys love the, the anime graphics. I love them too, and that's part of why we like to bring the show. Um, Alright, in the 12 episodes we did in 2017, eight of them were Commander episodes. That means that four of them were not Commander episodes. We had an Arch Enemy episode, an Iconic Masters, like, five booster thing, I think, yep. and an Unstable Draft. And out of those eight Commander episodes, two of them were pre-cons, and six of them were based around the set that was coming out. This is before we got sponsored, alright? So that's, the vast majority of the episodes are based around sets, because that's what we found were exciting, building around the Ammon Cup people, or whatever it was. And two of them were the pre-cons that year. I think one of them was the Commander Anthology, yep. and one of them was the Commander 2019 pre-con decks. Moving into 2018, we started to become sponsored, and we had nine episodes total that year. Six of them were Commander, and one of them was a pre-con. And uh, two of them were, uh, one of them was a Prawl, a Brawl pre-built. That was the Cassius episode where, he w- where I went nuts with... But that wasn't pre-con, we built those Yeah, decks. we built those, yeah. oh, sorry. And then one of them was the Game Night episode that uh, the pros came on to. So oh, again... Yeah, game, out of the I was nine, like, they're all Game Night episodes. I know, right? <laughs> the, the, this box back box, here is yeah. a... Yeah. Out of those nine episodes, seven of them were Commander, and five of them were dedicated to a certain set. All right, so that's almost the identical percentage of what we did the first year. And this year, we've had eight episodes, six Commander episodes, one of them with the pre-cons, and we've had two Brawl episodes, which is one more than we've had in the prior years, and one of them was just the pre-cons, which you just saw this year. And five of the Commander episodes we released out of this year, out of the seven, are based around sets. So... I understand that some people see an episode and go, they haven't done X, Y, and Z in forever. But if you statistically look at all the stuff we've done, we've actually kept up almost in an identical ratio from the very beginning. And the very first episode of this show was a pre-con. So I think like it's very easy for, you know, in the mass of content that people watch all the time, we're being flooded with information constantly and Game Nights only comes out once a month. It's very easy for people to see one episode and it's not what they like and immediately they add it onto what feels like a large list of other episodes they didn't like instead of looking at what the whole is and it's basically showing that we've kept the same percentage up of episodes that are Commander. Uh, Yeah, two things, we're going to move on because I think we've covered this, Uh, but one thing that kind of got lost, you did say it, is that our very first episode of the show the pilot episode was us taking the commander 2016 decks and playing them straight out of the box the pre-cons so that's what the show was at the beginning yeah we wanted it to be yeah hey go buy these commander pre-cons they're really fun we really no want... sponsorship it was just us saying that because we like the game yeah and we thought yeah we think the game is fun yeah and and the second thing is that we keeping up with new sets is very important for the show because that's what people, the vast majority of the audience is excited about new cards when new cards come out. And when you get to the size we've gotten, like I said, five editors, an assistant editor, a dedicated graphics person, we're flying people in from all over the country or sometimes other countries, we're putting them up, we've got cast, we've got crew, we're renting equipment, the cost is getting high, we need to get the most views possible. And one of the ways, again, that we can have that be the highest chance when we roll that dice is to be doing and playing with the most recent cards. So 
we're we're going to try and fit in like homebrew commander episodes when we can but geez when they release like 27 different sets every single year there's just not a window to do it but along the lines of like we would like to play more homebrew de- decks and more of our actual commander decks as you as you everybody else uh, out there likes to call them the next question is a question that comes up a lot because this was going to be our outlet for that. For that, yeah, exactly. So what happened to extra turns is, is a question we're asked constantly. And we and know... Why am I not more episodes of it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so extra turns was a, a safety valve to try and alleviate a little bit of this for those people out there that we know are wanting to see um, that type of commander play. And it was our take on sort of How the, do we mix the more the streamlined... Yeah. Uh, Commander gameplay. And Less produced, but gives you what we thought a large majority of the audience wanted. So there was a, a couple of issues with it, and, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to talk about it as if it's gone, because it's not, but we'll talk about that in a second. Um, one is, less produced for us still means very highly produced. So I wanted it to take 20% of the time that a Game Nights episode takes, but it takes more like 50% of the time that a Game Nights takes, or maybe 60%, uh, which is less, but not enough less that... It's easy, right? It's still a lot of time, which I'm not saying we can't do and we won't do. And in fact, we have a couple episodes of extra turns in the can we've already shot. And we've just been looking for the time to edit them together and release them. And so what's happened this year is like we get these little windows of like two or three days where it's like, okay, let's work on this. We don't get done, but we get a little bit of progress made. And then game nights, we got to finish this in time. And then, oh, we get a couple days and we work on it. And so we're piecing together two, two days here, three days there every month to try and get these extra turns episodes done so it is something that's it's on the back burner but it's not like nothing's happening but it's just slow progress so i want everybody to know out there that we do want to do it more we would love to get to the point where we could do it more often it's just a question of you know having the having the budget as far as time and people and resources to get it done so when people say what happened to extra turns that's what happened game nights takes up so much of our time there's just not a lot extra yeah and when we do have extra time, we're actually putting it towards extra turns. It's just that you need a lot of that to pile up before an episode actually comes out. Yeah, and I think, again, a couple of points there, too. Like, there are there is so much magic stuff happening that it definitely takes away from our time because, like, we want them to stay topical. I mean, like, wh- what kind of channel will we be if we just talked about things from the past and wasn't welcoming for new players into what is now the fastest-growing format in, in, in magic? Um, and also... We're going to be looking for more opportunities to do extra turns in the future and involve you as much as possible. And that's something that we want to think about. And and we'll probably hear more about from us in the future as well. Yeah, that's a good tease, right? We're trying to think of ways to make more extra turns. And there are maybe some levers we can pull and, and, uh, and knobs we can turn to maybe make that more reasonable, more realistic for us to do some. And, and we'll be hopefully talking to you about that more in the yeah. future. All right, we're going to get off of this particular topic. Extra turns, though. That's exciting. We're going to try and do more somehow. Yes. Just to... Pay attention to the channel. Yeah. We're going to have some exciting announcements soon about how I think we can make that happen. Okay. Um, the next question is a very much more simpler one, which <laughs> is a lot of people, I think we've had a lot of new um, listeners come to us, new audience members, and are asking because they see these play mats at the beginning of the Game Nights episodes, and sometimes we use them like on this episode uh, on the podcast. It's our so, Yeah. I've got the Last Stand play mat. Jimmy has the Aftermath play mat. Ah. And we get asked a lot these days where you can find them and how you can get them. And the answer is is that you can't. I'm sorry. <laughs> they were limited time only. And that's the way we run our merchandise generally is we run like a Kickstarter campaign that's only going to go for 30 days. And the reason we do this is because we're not a merchandise company. And so we don't want to fall into the pitfall of like having a bunch of inventory that we don't know if we're going to sell. We don't know where we're going to store it. It's much easier to be like, you got a 30-day window, you order it. Then at the end of the 30 days, we look and we know exactly how many we need to produce and where they're going to go. And then the upside for everybody that orders is that we promise we're never going to make that stuff again. And so you order within 30 days, we make it the one time, you get it. And now you're the only ones in the world that are going to have that thing. And that's it. We're never going to make it again and we're going to hold to that promise. So we're we're never going to print these two playmats again. We will... Should I tease it? We have another playmat in the works that's awesome and a huge name artist is doing it. Yep. Uh, that'll be early next year, so we're not going to go into any more detail, but there will be more chances to get playmats that are themed for Game Nights and Command Zone. Uh, for these specific ones, the only way you could get a hold of one anymore is if we give one away. We have a few 
in our storage area, which is really just a closet right there. Uh, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a secure storage locker, <laughs> not the closet to this room. We're pretty low now. I think we have less than fifty of each because when Jimmy and I will go to like a GP, we'll just we'll bring grab couple, four yeah. or five, and then I always tweet out like, if you come up to me and say only one may stand, until I'm out, I'll give you a play mat. Yeah. Uh, so that's a way to get them. And also, every once in a while, we give them away on the show. And in honor of that, we're going to give a couple away on this episode. So Ooh. if you stick around for two of the listeners, we'll tell you how to enter. And you, we'll, we'll, we will give away a few of each of the playmats. So for those that have been asking, that's going to be your chance uh, to get a hold of it. And that's really it. Unfortunately, you know, we're going to keep our promise as far as not printing them again. Yeah, we, we want to make it special for the people that do buy it as well. And I, I like that model as well because, it, you know, you're a part of this family this command zone wherever you want to call it and you're able to buy some stuff that you know help you think is cool hopefully and also it's something that you get and not everyone in the world has access to because you've been listening and you've been here and you've been supporting us yeah and it really does support us when you when you do purchase the merchandise like that is helpful a lot for game nights command zone extra turns maybe yeah so okay next question this is a big one we get a lot or getting a lot lately it's are there going to be more auditions for game nights or when are the auditions for game nights going to happen again mm-hmm so every year for the past two years, so it's hard to say every year, I guess. Uh, <laughs> every year. Twice now, we have done auditions f- for our patrons only with a chance to be on game nights. We're actually shooting the fan audition for this year next week. Yeah, the the next, yeah, next, and the next week we're going to have our winners of the last uh, auditions come in and play a game with us. So the winners, the audition winners we chose back in, I don't know, earlier this year, mm-hmm. finally the scheduling, this is when we scheduled the episode to be shot. It'll come out early next year and we don't have a specific timeline for when the auditions are going to happen next year but i would say that it's it's probably going to be around like february to april probably yeah, usually earlier so that we can plan the episode shoot for later that year yeah the timelines are long right you i think you're probably noticing that which is like game nights production is a real thing and if you like from the time you win the audition to the time you're actually on the show is going to be a significant amount, nine, 10, 11, 12 months, maybe. Um, but the next chance, and it will probably be for only patrons. Although again, don't quote me. We're talking about another way to get people out there a chance to audition on game nights. Cause this year we've chose two patrons. So mm-hmm. next year, maybe it's one patron and there's another way to enter. We're playing with some things. Um, and I don't want patrons to feel like they're getting less. Cause this year we just, chose two we didn't say we were going to we were originally going to choose one yeah but we couldn't pick between the top two so we just said okay we'll take you both <laughs> uh so anyway next year look for it can't quote you on a date but probably in the february april area the early areas, yeah. yeah but you you yeah you'll have to either be a patron or, or there will be another way that you'll have to qualify to audition Okay. Um, okay. Whew. Next question. Um, and this is actually from our Patreon Discord. So thank you to Demetrius19 for the question. Uh, when you come up with ideas and topics, how do you go about deciding what gets used and featured first and what sort of gets put on the back burner? So this is for the podcast. Somebody, would, Yeah, we get a lot of questions about how exactly we go through the process of creating the podcast. And, you know, this one is about choosing topics and how we mm-hmm. choose which one. Yeah. Um, timeliness is a really big thing. Yeah, so we're doing this episode, obviously, both in response to the feedback we get on game nights, as well as just we have a lot of questions building up. Yeah, and this one, we're in a little slight little period in, in that we don't have anything specific that we need to be talking about. But if it was the week Throne of Eldraine comes out, we would never do this episode. We would talk about Throne of Eldraine, yeah. you know, or sorry, the week before Throne of Eldraine comes out, because that's when the spoiler. Uh, yeah, this yeah. might be the first two weeks in a row now that we've had in probably the past three months where there hasn't been a new product release or something to talk about that is related to stuff coming out that's exciting for Commander players. Um, we choose a lot by the passion of one or both of us so sometimes jimmy will have an idea and it'll be like i really want to do this and it's like great uh and then come up with the outline we'll talk it over yep both both hosts are always involved in the discussion but often a topic is more we call it you'll drive yeah a lot of times like okay you'll drive this episode which means i will look at the outline and i'll interject a few thoughts but the bulk of it will be jimmy and he'll he'll really drive the the conversation and follow the outline and keep us moving because he'll have done most of the outline. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I drive, sometimes Jimmy drives. And then sometimes there are topics that we both do, or it's like a set review or something that 
we've got a modus operandi that we do for mm-hmm. those types of episodes. Yeah. Examples of that would be like the World War One episode that Josh brought to the table, and I've done some color-based ones in the past where I sort of delve into what Morrow has said about colors and so the identity and the color pie and all that stuff. Yeah, I remember we did like a Problems with Your Playgroup episode a little oh, while. Right, right, that was right, one right. that you'd had stewing for a while. And, th- and then that's another thing. So some episodes, they take a lot of, or they require a lot of lead time. So like the Commander Summit episode, that's oh, one boy. where you like... <laughs> flick the switch and then you're that episode not coming out for four months because you you know also we have a lot of help so ashlyn helped us a lot producing the commander summit episode which was like here's the idea we want to contact all these content creators get them to answer these six questions so first step is you contact them and get them to answer the questions and send you the footage second step is and that sorry step one takes months uh second step is you get the footage from them and now somebody has to comb through it all pick out who we're going to feature for each question. And then now we take all that, we collate it into an outline that Jimmy and I now are going to be referring to specific responses and things. And so we're talking like five months of work for something like the Commander Summit episode. So those are another ones where like, they're a long-term prospect that you start the process and you work on it, you know, three or four hours a week for multiple months until as it gets near to the end, you're working on it full-time for a week or two. There's also a lot of audio fixing that sometimes yeah. has to happen. Uh, uh, and I'd like to shout out an apology to Mitch for, because I edited that episode. I put you in like the first... From Commander's tra- Quarters. Yeah, I put you in like the first trailer part, but then I omitted your answers later on, and you did a great job producing the answers and putting them in video format that was really easy for us to use. So I apologize. That was totally on me. Yeah, a couple things got lost in the mix because it is so complicated. So oh, Commander's man, Quarters that... had some stuff. Don't worry, though. We're going to make it up to Mitch here very soon. Yes, so indeed. we have some plans. We feel bad about that. So we're going to make it up to him. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of generally how we decide on topics, which I guess is not a great answer because it's really just like, it depends. It depends. <laughs> yeah. There's no like every time we do this. I would say, though, new sets, new releases, cards that people want to hear about that are being widely discussed on the internet. As a show, we need to be, of course, on the forefront of the news as well. So that's usually where our top priority is. And then past that, it's like, hey, I've had this thing I really want to do. I've been thinking about it for a while. And then we sort of have the Commander Summit episodes like once or twice a year. I don't know about you, but like sometimes I'll just be at breakfast and I'll just like think of an idea like, oh, that'd be a cool idea for yeah. an episode. And I just open the notepad on my phone and write it down. So I have this notepad on my phone with all these like random sentences but like one <laughs> of an idea yeah but i starts. like scroll through oh yeah i remember that let's i'll maybe i'll flesh that out a little today and yeah. then i don't get fully done with it but that's just like i don't know when i'm going to use it but i'll flesh it out even more later and eventually we build full episodes in there yep all right next question is do you guys ever plan to attend an event on the east coast or in europe yes we've been really bad about this i feel bad this is one of my goals for next year mm-hmm. is that we are super west coast biased and as far as the events we attend we grew up on the west coast too <laughs> yeah and we're very um you know we're very busy and it's hard to get far away but that's a bad excuse right we're talking about an additional couple hours on a plane yeah uh you know the difference between las vegas and someplace on the east coast is really like six hours as far as like the additional travel time mm-hmm. so I'm going to, it's a loose pledge, but it is a pledge. We are, we will make it out to at least an East Coast event in 2020 and hopefully a, a event in Europe. I would love to go to, I love Europe in general. So it, yeah, it shouldn't take a lot to get me there. And I, in fact, am going in like December, but not for an event because we just, it's a thing we've had planned for years. Yeah. Uh, uh, every time I travel uh, for work or whatever, I try and make it to LGSs. I've been to LGSs now in New York and Washington, D.C. and Europe and UK. Florida. Florida, Spain, Hawaii, Korea, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, I was so going to do it in Iceland, but it didn't work out. Yeah. So there may not be events, but I do try and make it out and meet people and, and say hi to people or at least surprise the people that are there. So it's definitely something that we're interested in. I think it's just about actually just sitting down and be like, okay, we can definitely do this one or not. For me, it's been obviously a bit more of a struggle to make sure I can be free for that weekend or whenever it is because of acting related things. All right. That's going to do it for our content-related questions. That was a little bit longer than we thought. We're going to come back and talk about magic-related stuff that you've been asking us. But before we get into it, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our sponsors. All right, friends. It's time to talk about something very serious for this week's sponsors. Uh Uh-oh. Underwear. That's right. That stuff we wear around, ye olde private parts. And, you know, shockingly for how important those parts are, our underwear is often underserved. This is how we're going to promote me undies. You know, honestly, when we got the sponsorship deal, I was super stoked. This is luxury stuff, all right? It's honestly the most comfortable underwear I've ever worn. And you just don't really know why it's so good until you get that feeling of putting it on, Josh. It's like, it's like... Yeah, I don't know if we should really be describing that exact feeling on our show right now. 
You're right. But it's glorious. It's legendary. And they have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. And you know what? They don't even need it. It's that good. And right now, you can get 15% off if you're a first-time purchaser. That's right. Head on over to MeUndies.com slash command to get free shipping, 15% off, and 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Honestly, if you didn't stop me, I could probably talk about MeUndies for like an hour straight. This is a for realsy endorsement. You know, this kind of reminds me of when I upped my sock game, you know, working out, playing basketball, even being in the office all day. They have socks too, Josh. Head on over to meundies.com slash command. I'm expecting you to do it. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right, we are done with the content-based questions. I have ranted for far long enough. <laughs> I think I went on like a four-minute rant there in the middle. Um, let's talk about some Magic the Gathering-related questions because we are a Magic the Gathering channel. That's right. If you're still here, or maybe just skipped ahead to that to this part. There's no way. Everyone wants to hear that first. the first half of this episode. <laughs> they want to hear now you. people are exiting out. You shouldn't, though, because you could win a playmat if you stick around. That's Don't true. Don't skip to the end, though, because we have some great answers coming up. There are some cool questions in here, so we're going to start with one that we get a lot and I noticed that it comes for whatever reason in a certain time of year so like August September we get this question a lot it's some form of I have a new magic channel or I want to start making content how do I go about it Um, this is too big of a question to answer on this episode but I did want to bring it up because we've been getting asked it a lot like I don't know once a day somebody it seems like somebody asks about <laughs> some tweets or dms yeah yeah and so uh, this is great a lot of you want to make content you're interested in making content you're coming to us which means you respect our content that is very humbling to us and that's really awesome and so the thing i'm going to say here is we've been talking and we did an episode a long time ago you can look it up it, the episode is badly titled for this question question yeah, yeah. but it answers it in many different ways so the if you Type into the YouTube search bar command zone, and then the episode title is How Many Infinite Combos is Too Many? (laughs) I know. Sorry. Uh, And then go to about 34 minutes into that video. Dang. We answer. I just have this unlocked because I get asked so much that I I have a copy and paste out of my notepad to answer this question that gets asked so much. 34 minutes into that video, we answer a bunch of questions about content creation. However, one of the things Jimmy and I are kicking around, I think we're going to do at some point is a video dedicated to answering content creator-related questions that actually is labeled as such and Mm -hmm. sits on our channel forever so we can point people towards that so it's easier to find. So Yeah. I would also point you towards the episode we did with Rob. I forget the name Oh, yeah. It's called The Creative Process. The Creative Process, yeah. And that details our journey into Los Angeles from a couple of years back. Uh, Josh's, origin stories. Josh's amazing artist friend is painting live behind this and we talked to him a little bit about what, what it means to create for him and I think that can also give you a lot of inspiration about how to take your journey. It's our probably least watched episode. Which is crazy. And probably one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. Rob, Rob is a painter who had a piece in the Louvre that year that we were painting. He's a world-class painter. He's also phenomenally talented in that he paints with both hands. Yeah. He'll paint two, he'll be working on two paintings at the same time with both hands. He's totally ambidextrous. And watching him sort of zone out, listen to music, and just go wild painting, he just trances out kind of. It's nuts. Flow state. Just that. You could mute it, not listen to Jimmy and I just watch Rob paint, and it's like... 
I don't know. It's just like watching the perfect flight of a bird or a cheetah <laughs> in motion. Like Rob is a person that was put on the planet to do a certain thing. And you don't get to watch that very often. So the command zone, creative process, it'll pop right up. I've changed that thumbnail like three times to try and get try more and get views. To watch yeah, because I'm like, why are we watching this? It's so great. Yeah, I, I get it. It's uh, You want a basketball magic. game and it was hockey. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next question is, I was wondering if you could give me advice on starting a collection on a budget. And this is from Adam Dew. He emailed us. Yeah, this is an interesting question because I think starting a collection is a very broad thing to say. Like, what are you collecting for? Are you collecting for more future commander decks? Are you doing it for standard? Are you doing it just to have four ofs, your favorite cards? I think Adam was wanting to play commander. Okay. Um, I think I remember that from the email. Uh, I would definitely start by not trying to buy the most expensive cards. Yeah. You're, but if you have $100 and you spend 25 on one card, you or your collection is not going to be good. Also, <laughs> it doesn't make your deck that much better. Yeah, right. You might not right. draw it. Um, for me, when I started playing this game, I had a bunch of old cards, but they weren't really relevant. They're just crappy comments and stuff from like Ice Age and stuff. So for me, starting a collection started with buying the pre-cons. Uh, it's a great way to get a, a few of every single thing that's very important. Um, if you're able to buy all of the pre-cons, then all of a sudden you have four soul rings, four command towers, four arcane signets, whatever it is. Um, so I think that's a really strong way to start. And then put them into binders, sort them by color or however you want, the cards that you're not using. And then you're going to have a nice little base there to start. And it's it's going to be, I think, your best bang for your buck if you want to very easily buy the cards that you want. And you get to play immediately. There are other ways maybe you right. buy collections, but you can't build a deck out of you know, a couple of good cards. Mm -hmm. So pre-con is like playable with a little bit of upgrades. It'll be actually pretty good. And then you can sort of start to build out from there. I think pre-con is really the best choice. And, and that's why they're one of the best products every year. I wouldn't do it. Uh, I wouldn't like go and buy booster packs. I don't think that's a no. good way to go. No, don't do that. Certainly not. Yeah. Singles are going to be your best at a certain point. I mean, there's like, you can go on like eBay and buy like a box of a thousand commons or uncommons. I wouldn't do that either. Nah. Just the average amount of cards you're going to get out of any given like thousand card, you know, you might grab have bag like box. 50 that are good. If you're is, lucky. Yeah. Yeah. I would say it'd be more close to like single digits. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, pre-con and then you can start to, you know, maybe another pre-con. I would go up to like four or five pre-cons before I would start maybe cherry-picking uh, specific cards. Yeah. There's also the Commander Anthologies that were released in the yeah. past. I don't know where those are at now, but that's another way to get a lot of cards. Uh, they have they're expensive. Uh, well, we have old dual decks as well if you're like looking for specific color combinations. Um, yeah, just, just look around and try and find the ones that you go, wow, I want 90% of the cards in here or 80% of the cards, and those are going to be a better buy than most other things. All right. All right. I'll let you answer the next one. How do you feel about gold border cards? This comes from Adam Lassiter over email. Uh, gold border cards were created by Wizards of the Coast. They were in these things called championship decks, uh, world championship decks. And on the back of them, they don't look like a normal magic card. They have the world championship on there, the year it was played. And they're sort of like, hey, here was the best deck that year from this player. We recreated it in a form that's not tournament legal, but are still cards printed by us. And some of those will have a strip mine in them. There's a guy's cradle that's a gold border guy's cradle as well. Um, for me, I... And I think this is the general consensus. They're as legal as it gets in Commander because there's no other format to play these in. They were made by Wizards. They are great versions of some very hard-to-get cards. Uh, and if it's the only way you can get it, I'm totally happy to see that across the table because I have like a Flooded Strand that's a Gold Border version of it in one of my decks, and it functions as the card. I've never cared if somebody played a Gold Border card. Uh, it's totally fine with me. The one thing that you have to be aware of is the fact that if you're in a in an event, an actual sanctioned event. Yeah. So one where they take your DCI number and there's going to be prizes on the line, then they are considered proxies and they won't be legal. Anywhere else, and most people are totally cool with it. I mean, the the sort of cordial way to go about it is to at least let people know, like, hey, I got a gold border card or two yeah. in my deck. Do you guys care? I've never heard anybody be like, yeah, I totally care. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, give them the opportunity. If somebody's really against it, maybe you got to switch it out. But I'd say, like, at least 90% of the time, probably higher than 90%. No one's going to care. Yeah. Uh, because the biggest thing people care about as far as like proxies or that kind of thing is like ruining the table aesthetic. 
they just look like real cards. They just have a gold border. And they were printed by wizards and were a casual format. So Yeah. yeah. Um, just also make sure you don't have sleeves that can be seen through in the back because the backs of the cards are a darker color and yeah. certain sleeves you can see it on the Some back. Some of them are square and not rounded, right? Those are, yeah, those are the uh, collector's edition cards. That's a way that a lot of people can collect Power 9 for their cubes is because that was another alternate printing of them. Yeah, and when you get down to it, four people, four friends sitting down and playing a game of Commander is not that different than playing cube, right? Like, yeah. you, there's no prizes on the line. You're just playing for the love of magic and so i don't think most people are really going to care about a gold border card but be nice just i hope you know. don't i hope you don't care it's, yeah if you're the person that cares you gotta question why you care i suppose yeah yeah and there are it's not like there are gold border cards for every single card in magic right. i could see if my entire deck was gold border and it was like okay all right uh, sure but it's like guy's cradle two or three of like a strip mine it's like not significant of an impact and some of them are significant as far as like, like the guy's cradle is not free yeah, it's, it's not free. Still, it's still expensive because it, still people decent. do use it. Yeah, yeah, it's still like a sort of feast and famine price, right? Like, it's not, yeah, not cheap. I don't know what the price is at. Yeah, but yeah. that makes sense. Okay, uh, question number eleven: Of all the decks you've built and played on game nights, which is your favorite and why? Hmm. This comes from Jason S. Also over email. Uh, I think it's got to be my Neheb deck that I played on the. I built yeah, it you for still play the, that a the throwback the episode. Yeah, I still play it a lot. I've given it to friends to play, and they love playing it as well. I actually just ordered a lot of the new cards to put into it. Um, so, yeah, I think that deck is by far my favorite. You built it for the nostalgia episode. It turns out it connected with you. Because it's nostalgic. Yeah, and you were like, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and it's now a I'm burn deck. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have a couple. Vile Smasher Thrasios I built mm-hmm. for an episode and it turned out that I liked it. Did I build it for an episode? Oh, I might have just built that one to test out the chaos factor i think you played it on a extra turns though right yeah i've played it on an episode but i actually i didn't build that for game nights okay the one i built for game nights that i still have around and play quite a bit i think is uh my hapatra deck oh nice which is a lot of fun yeah Yeah. shadowborn apostles i think is the one people mostly associate with me but i had Mm -hmm. that before we even made the show game nights so that doesn't really count but hapatra i built for the episode and i give that deck to people too because it, you get it, right? But it has a lot of cool interactions, but it's not hard to figure out what the deck wants to do. Yeah. It's very powerful, but not like a 8 or 9 out of 10, so it can sit at a lot of tables. I like your Grenza deck a lot, too. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one. That was a Mel Lee's. I stole it from Mel. Yeah. I didn't build that one myself. All right. The next one is from Ruri, which is spelled differently, but thankfully, they let us know how to pronounce it in the email. Um, how do you feel about unofficial commanders, like Nephilim, Chromanticore, probably the unstable ones? Yeah. I think the unstable ones are the ones that people are going to probably have more of an issue with if you're like, this is my commander. The Nephilim and stuff, I would say that if you have one of the four-color Nephilim, just have the other four-color commander in case people have an issue with that at the table. I don't personally care too much because... They're not the, very strong. Yeah, they're not super strong. Yeah. So it's like, okay, whatever. And like, and there's so many co- options for the five-color slot that Chromanticore is just like, eh, okay. And as Again, to, it's not super powerful. Yeah. So I'm fine with Nephilim and Chromanticore as well. But that's a really good advice is to just have an alternate, build that deck and just have one of the alternate four colors or, or partner pairing for the four right. color ones. Right, right, right. That, so, okay, so if somebody doesn't want you to, which is rarely going to happen. Every table I've ever been at where somebody's like, I'm going to play the Nephilim. Everyone's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. have fun. Uh, so I think most people will be cool with it. And I, I'm definitely never going to say like, no, don't do that. Uh, I mean, again, if you're at a sanctioned event and there are prizes on the line, different then story. all of a sudden it's a different story. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Yep. If you had to pick, what would you say is your favorite keyword ability in Magic the Gathering? This comes from Oreo Yo-Yo, who's a patron on our Discord. So, hello, Oreo. A little... Yo, no- sorry. Yo. What up? Yo. Yo. Yo, yo, Oreo. Little known JLK trivia. Uh, my nickname when I was a waiter for a little while was Yo-Yo. Why? Because I know a lot of yo-yo tricks, so I used to what? do it for the you kids. You have yo-yo tricks? Yo, screw game nights. <laughs> I used to do it for Let's the kids. Let's do a 20-minute like yo-yo compilation hey, man, higher trick. tips if the kids are happy. That's great, actually. That's really funny. I just imagined the like music playing. Yeah, Josh yeah. is like doing sweet yo-yo tricks. <laughs> I can't do two hands. So that's a lie. It's just this. Yeah. yeah. I haven't uh, done it in years, so who knows what I still know how. You, can, you make it, can you walk the dog? Is oh, that yeah, that's thing? easy. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. That's nothing. Um, I think my favorite keyword ability, it's either going to be haste or trample. Trample. Trample is the one that I'm always just like, I wish my creatures had trample. Like, I find myself asking for that more often than not. Or it's my, I wish my Yeah, creatures like if they had trample, I just win right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I the, think it's just one of those things that just, it just gets people. Yeah. Uh, mine is clearly flash. Yes. Because I play cards that give everything flash because that's my favorite. And you love instants. Who yep. doesn't? Who doesn't? 
All right, next one is, how do you feel about smaller, larger pods? What is the smallest and largest pod you've played in? This is from Michael Leiden, which is a Patreon Discord. Leiden or Lydon? Who knows? Sorry, Michael. I'll tell you the smallest pod I've ever played in. Two. Two. <laughs> you never played against yourself? Ah, I've goldfished, so I've one. I've goldfished, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was not a fun pod. Um, the largest pod, I think we did like a 12-person game once, and it was not enjoyable. Yeah, I remember nine once. It was after the Super Bowl that year. Oh, God. That was at my house. We played in a nine-person pod, yeah. and that game took forever, even though we were like just yelling at everyone to play fast every turn. Don't think it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. I think realistically, three-player pods are fine, not, not like... Not optimal amazing. i'd rather have four four three five, is okay yeah. five is okay i'd rather have four again but at, at five is a weird number right you don't you can't split up into three and two so mm-hmm. you have to be willing to play five and then once you get to six people that's where the question comes in do i split up into two threes do i play one six and we kind of will go both ways sometimes we'll be like secret partners or mm-hmm. three-way two-headed giants or sometimes we'll be like let's do two pods of three i think it's yeah. two pods of three will be faster yeah, and you'll definitely get games through. I've also seen like one plot of four and then two players are like, I have a really strong 1v1-esque deck that can let's, I try to get yeah. yours. Yeah, let's just do that instead so they'll have fun doing that. But anything above six, you're splitting into multiple pods. I, a four and a three is way better than seven. Seven is just too many people. Yeah, seven's nuts. Yeah, eight is obviously four and four. Nine is five and four. Yeah. Um, okay. Where are we? Question 15. I've been knocked out of games early because it was the optimal play, which has led me to be waiting for hours to play the second game. What do you guys think of threat assessment compared to optimal plays? Is it worth knocking out someone who's already down because you can, or is it better to save those resources for a bigger threat? This is from Patrick over email or Patrick. Um, I, I'm assuming this is like, I'm at five life, you have five power flying on the board, but uh, Mel over there is going off. But you're like, well, you know what? I can kill you this turn, so I will. Um, I've been in this position a lot because I play Ancient Tomb and other cards that just murder me slowly over <laughs> the course yourself. of a game. Yeah, so I'm oftentimes being like, my liege whatever you need i will do for you please don't kill me and usually that works because it's like this person owes you like a, a blood packed right. oath of life and You're they'll Chewbacca do it now yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i'm putting on the what is it called the repeating crossbow or whatever yeah. he has yeah it's at, I, I don't know i think it's tough because i think in a deck if you have a very powerful deck patrick and it's like you could go off at any point you kind of want to knock that person out like, it, uh, sorry, Josh, like if you were at two life, right, and I just kill, kill you, me. I would just kill you. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want to give you the chance to claw back because all of a sudden you play your Aetherflexible Reservoir and you're up to 36 life again. I don't play Aetherflexible Reservoir. See, now everyone thinks that I play that card. I know. I I'm, just complain about it. Going back to the beginning of the episode, you take one thing and then all of a sudden it's what they do all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I kind of agree. In general, I'm really... My, my play pattern these days is more along the lines of kind of keep everybody going, keep everybody in the game, and yeah. then try and, like, you know, get towards the end before we start knocking people out. Rarely am I like, let's just zero in, kill this person, and they're going to have to sit there. And just do it all at once, kind of, if you can't knock them all out. You know, try and keep it even for most of the game until... And there's a point of the game, a lot of times we will both be like, ah, I feel like this is the point of the game where people can start dying. Yeah, for sure. All right, this next one comes to us from Twitter, from Vizix. In my eyes, slotting in one or two cards still qualifies a precon as a precon to me. My question is, how many cards would you consider adding to a precon that it's no longer a precon? Yeah, so like, if you add ten cards, is it? Could you still call it a precon? Right, kind of like our upgrade video where it's take these ten cards, I put these ten cards in. Is that still a precon? No, I don't think so. No, it's not. The precon is the hundred cards that you got it as. Or I the think 60 if you add one card, you can't say it's a precon anymore. Yeah, I you'd have so to too. say it's the precon. I added one card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At a certain point, I think once you get to like 20 or so, you can just can't say... can't even say it's a precon. Yeah, it's not a precon. I added 20 cards. Like, that's basically a new deck. I think 10 point. is not even a pre... You don't even say the precon part. One or two, I would... Yeah. I would include the fact that <laughs> the like... The phrasing that this is started as a precon. This is basically the precon, but I changed two cards. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think you could say this is just the precon or this is only a precon. Because yeah. if the two cards are like mana cryptid, guys, <laughs> you guys know, cradle, one of the yeah. cards, like, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say... And 10 you, cards is a lot. Yeah, 10 cards, you could significantly change the power level of a deck. One or two, you're not really making massive alterations, but you could give it a, still a significant power bump. Yeah. Because, and you know... You're not just adding lands. Those are going to be 10 out of 60, basically. So right. that's a pretty high percentage, yeah. Yeah, and the lands you add might be the guys Cradles of the world. Right. All right, the next question and the last question is, what is the best way to avoid getting mana screwed in games? No this comment. This is from I- Ikra Sel- Seldnar from Patreon, <laughs> uh, from the Discord. Uh, yeah, Jimmy, I'll let you handle this since you always, quote-unquote, get mana screwed. I think I've yeah. been mana screwed 
twice on game nights and you've been screwed three times. So yeah, we're all actually... virtually the same. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I just make a bigger deal out of it. Um, definitely it was a heavy storyline in one of the episodes. Like, yeah. That's the that's way game nights... That's probably why That's the way so game hard. nights works, right? It's like... Yeah we're telling a story as we go and we'll lean towards certain things. And for one of the episodes, like your storyline was you were manuscript. Like that was just the way that it worked for the episode to keep the audience the most engaged. Classic Jimmy. Yeah. Um, this one's tough. I think the thing is just like, you cannot be afraid to put in card advantage and card draw on your deck. You in, I know you really want to play that six, seven drop or that awesome five drop. That is just like the coolest thing ever. You're going to have to find a way to slot in just more card advantage because think about it this way. A five drop in your hand that you can't cast as opposed to a card that will draw you cards even late in the game and you're searching for a lancer. Like those cards will always be good pretty much. And the the you can almost not have you you almost can't have enough card draw. This yeah, I mean, you can have you can have a quite a bit. It will help you hit your land drops, right? If you have just a divination type spell, which is not the type of card draw we normally run, but still, even just that is going to help you hit land drops. Yeah, when if you only draw three lands, but you have that, your likelihood to hit your, to hit your fourth is very high. I think a lot of people just play too few lands. Yeah, someone put a deck list up and said, I'm always getting man screwed, and they had 27 lands in their deck. Yeah, that's 10 less lands than we think you should have <laughs> at most decks. So that's going to be a big problem. Yeah, even in decks where I have a lot of ramp, I just, it, there's nothing worse than missing a land drop early yep. on. So I still put 37 lands even in decks that have like 12, 13 mana ramp spells. Yep, for sure. Uh, mulligan decisions are big. So you got to look at yourself and be like, what could I do differently? And one of the things is you could keep better hands. You could, yep. you could mulligan more. Um, or be more aggressive as far as like, nah, this hand, it's got only three lands and I just want to make sure that I get more or whatever. Three is good. Two is really sketchy to keep yeah. unless you Well, have. we like to say three with ramp or three with card draw. Yeah. One of those things that will get you going and not put you so far behind that when you finally do draw into those things, you're screwed. Also, I think you can build in some insurance, some safety measures into the deck. So Sensei's Divining Top type stuff. Halimar Depths, with, oh, yeah. which we it's talked about lands. last episode, is a good way to sort of make sure you hit your land drops. Those types of things, just having a few of them in your deck brainstorm even that kind of stuff yeah it's just like a safety valve this card's fine if i am not mana screwed but if i am it really will help get me out of that situation yeah definitely just don't be afraid to put in card draw i know it might feel bad that you're taking on a powerful card for a card that just says draw two cards but turns out drawing two cards sometimes is the most powerful thing your deck can do yeah all right this is the moment you've been waiting for if you want an aftermath or last stand playmat it's to the listeners it's gonna be really easy to enter if you have any questions for us that we can use on future similar episodes where we're answering questions from the audience, all you got to do is email them to us. And uh, if you just put, what should we have as the subject title be? Question for the podcast. Question time. <laughs> question time. You can say question time or question for the podcast. Just have the word question in there. No, wait. We're changing it. It's question time. Okay, question time. Yeah. Question time. If you're the subject heading is question time. <laughs> Then that will enter you to win one of these play mats. Mm-hmm. We will have your email because you emailed it to us. Email is going to be the only way to enter. We will choose at random from the people yep. who email us. You have to actually email us a question yeah. also. Like, <laughs> so question time is the subject heading. Then you have a question that we can answer on a future episode of the show. That will enter you to win one of the play mats. We will contact you directly in one week from the release of this episode and get your address and everything. And then we will send you one of the last stand or the aftermath play mats in your email you can tell us which one you would rather have there will be no guarantees you will get that one but we'll do our best and also no guarantees that we'll actually answer your question if we choose you because it may not have a q and a episode for a while who knows we're going to choose you at random and you will get the play mat but as far as answering your question who knows yeah okay uh Did everyone get that? I assume you did. Question Send time. Send an email. Question but, time in the in the title and an qu- actual question about magic. Or it could be about content. Whatever. It just it needs to be a question. It can't just be like, what's your favorite color? Actually, I guess... It, no, 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 no. Make, make it something that's relevant to us, please. <laughs> Usually we plan this stuff out like way better. This is the most off the cuff that we get. Sure. Fine. However that goes, some people are going to get playmats. I have a question. Yeah. <laughs> Question time. Where can I get great deals on magic cards with awesome shipping (laughs) (laughs) and help support the content I love? Well, Mr. Jimmy Wong, it's funny you should ask that because I have just the answer for you. Uh It's cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you use that affiliate link when you order your magic cards, (laughs) singles, products, anything at all, you really are supporting this podcast, game nights, and all of our content. 
All right, I'm going to go ahead and just take this playmat. That's my reward. <laughs> uh, this playmat was made by Ultra Pro. They do tons of playmats, and as you can tell, the print quality is amazing. Uh, they've been doing it. They've been the best in the business for a long, long time, and that's why they should be your go-to the next time you're outfitting your battlefield, you're putting your cards into sleeves or into a sweet satin pro. Satin box. tower. Satin tower, yeah. You feel like a pro. It's in the tower. Yeah. Ultra is the best. What, what and also, towers say? are very themely with uh, uh, Eldraine, you know, yep. like, you know, maiden stuck in towers. You know, we use the playmats as big mouse pads, too. Yeah. Some, <laughs> now, uh, like Jake, he uses two playmats. He's got so much space that he's got a playmat under his keyboard, <laughs> a playmat under his uh, I his, have two playmats on mine, too, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, it's, they're useful in a lot of different ways. Yep. All right, so now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside oh, the yeah. world of magic. I have something cool. I'm excited about this one. Okay, so you were a fan of the show, right? One of my favorite shows of all time. So the Breaking Bad movie, El Camino, is coming out. The trailer is out right now. And I think by the time you're watching, I think October 11th is when it comes out. So at yeah. the time you're watching this, is a few days away. I'm super excited for this movie, but also what it caused me to do is go back and start rewatching. Oh, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go rewatch the like the you know last couple episodes just mm -hmm. to kind of remember. And then I like started. I got five minutes into like the third to last episode, and I was like, wait, I'm gonna go back even farther. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, screw it, I'm just gonna go. And I got totally sucked in, and I've been rewatching Breaking Bad, and I was like, nice, because I remember the broad strokes, but not all the details. Yeah, there's tons. So watching it for the second time, I'm like still totally into it. I'm like, oh yeah, what happens? Now? Oh yeah, I forgot. Like the show is super yeah. good. I remember like the highlight, like where each season ends up, and I remember it just. It's one of the most rewarding shows in the world to watch, too, because everything really pays off or yep. you get challenged and in so many different ways. Yeah, it's a, just a great, great show. So if you never watch Breaking Bad, my suggestion would be you can go on Netflix right now and you can watch it. Now, October 11th is right around the corner and there's five seasons of Breaking Bad. So you, it, you'll have to be a real... I'm assuming there's going to be some kind of recap in El Camino, yeah. but if you watch El Camino without watching all of Breaking Bad, there will be m m m m major spoilers. Yeah, and there's Better Call Saul, but I think that you don't have to have watched that because uh, Breaking Bad follows, or El Camino follows, follows Breaking Bad, yeah. although Better Call Saul does fill in a little bit oh, that's cool. of the sort of... It's it's sort of back in time and in current day, back and forth. Maybe you have to watch Better Call Saul from the beginning again, too. Yeah, well, I haven't even watched all of Better Call Saul. But I feel like if you watch Breaking Bad, which is, again, one of the most phenomenal TV shows of all time, not only you'll be watching a great TV show that you'll really enjoy, and then you'll be able to watch the movie afterwards. Yeah. So I'm excited about the movie uh, because I think... Aaron Paul is an amazing actor. Yeah. And also Skinny Pete and Badger are big parts of it, it seems, and I love those characters. Yeah, it's it's it looks really cool. It looks like it's about him sort of on the run after Yeah, the El events. Camino is the car he's in yes. in the trailer and stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool. All right. Uh something else that's really cool is our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern. Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You can find them on Twitter at the MMcast. You can find them on all your Podcast apps, Stitcher, iTunes, yeah, just type Google. in Masters of Modern and they will pop right up. Our editors for the show are Ashlyn Rose and Craig Blanchett. Everyone's favorite Give Five for Fact or Fiction and everyone's favorite Kozilek Eldrazi Overlord. I was told last night because we played a little bit of Commander um, here at the office after everybody okay, got yeah. work. Uh, I went home a little bit early but only played a couple games and Murph told me this morning, he goes, yeah, I cast Fact or Fiction and... Uh, I let Craig choose, and guess what he did? I was like, he didn't give you all five cards. Yes, he did. Craig? <laughs> yes. Craig. That's my boy. <laughs> Keeping traditions up. Just que keep tweeting at him to stop doing that, will ya? Yeah, it's it's only going to make him dig in deeper. <laughs> <laughs> Big thanks to Jeffrey Balmer, who does the living card animations that live behind us on set, as well as start and end our show at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And, of course, you can find him on Twitter at livingcardsmtg. All right, everybody. Thanks for watching. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, 
it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.